1: barca talk live the first iteration of barca talk live gabriel how you doing
0: man it's good to finally be here with you in three-dimensional form my friend
1: i know just the other day we finally embraced for the first time (laughs) and i touched your
0: face and more more importantly you didn't drop me
1: i did not I, i would never drop you if you fall i will catch you rest assured so megan and i are in barcelona this is our first time well, it's Megan's first time in Barcelona. It's our first time as a couple, and we just got in yesterday. And so let me tell you, it was it was two solid days of travel because we got up fairly early. We went from Buffalo to Newark, and then we had to spend basically a full day in New York City before we caught a late-night flight out of JFK to come to Barcelona. And, of course, we didn't sleep much on the flight. And then we get to our Airbnb. We get checked in. We took a nap for about 30 minutes, and next thing you know, we're out with you, we're having beers, we're getting some food, and then we're walking to the stadium, and then we're having more beers, <laughs> and more beers, <laughs> and more beers, <laughs> and then we finally go to the game, and by the time we were done last night, by the time we got back, I was I was in another dimension. I, I felt like I had traveled through another just into uh, a uh, Alice in Wonderland kind of zone. (laughs) How are you feeling now? No,
0: I'm feeling fine, but I'm just really tired. But, you know, towards the end of the night, I thought you were hallucinating. Yes.
1: Yeah, everyone looked a little swirly.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, we had a long day. We were walking around. I met up with Jose of the LA Pena here, and uh, we walked around all day. And then uh, eventually we met up to have drinks, embrace, and then we went to the match, and we hung out there. And, of course, we got a good result. Uh, The Liga is in our basically back pocket now.
1: Yeah, everyone was singing the song at the end of the match. I have my own sort of mathematical issues with it, but I know that the the reality of the situation is that we're probably going to win the league at this point
0: yeah and um you know and here we are we're in the marina in barcelona nice day i thought it was going to be raining today and it's not sun's shining and here we are with arsenal everton fans
1: (laughs) (laughs) right so yeah in the background we have arsenal against everton so we're sort of looking at an older barcelona lineup here we've got andre Gomes playing today (laughs) But we're not going to talk about him. We're not.
0: Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful, right? Right.
1: Mr. Personality. So let's get into it. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that we should talk about is actually the Villarreal match because those of us who are here in the, in the venue right now at the Red Garter in Barcelona, who are uh, wonderful hosts, I should say, we all, you know, we're thinking about last night, we're thinking about Atletico, but let's, let's not forget the Villarreal match that happened earlier last week. What was it? Tuesday, right? Yeah.
0: And I asked you, was it a good thing that we got those points?
1: Well, it it seems like it would always be a good thing to get the points, right? You always want to get the points, whether it's one point or three points, you want to get points. But I see where you're going with that question, which is maybe it would have been better to get a little shock to the system to lose to Villarreal, who are not having a good year at all.
0: Sure, and also just the unbeaten streak, especially coming up with Champions League. You know, we're kind of cruising right now, especially with last night's performance and also just kind of playing with the sub-team on Tuesday night and getting those points, salvaging those points is awesome. But at the same time, it's good to lose sometimes just to break up the monotony, get the concentration back for, you know, these upcoming tough games, especially on Tuesday against Manchester United.
1: Yeah, and with Manchester United coming, it, it would be better, maybe, to have taken the loss and, you know, have to throw some cold water on your face, get real for a minute, and say, oh, we can't just cruise. We can't just cruise through these competitions. Even, even a side like Villarreal can beat us. So we got to be really careful. we got to have our head on a swivel when it comes to Manchester United.
0: Yeah, and, and again, it goes back to the whole theme of this season of Valverde driving the Ferrari, right? <laughs> <laughs> Always stuck in first gear, um, not using... The subs and we saw that, you know, especially with Umtiti Longley playing together, two left-footed center backs, you know, playing together, and obviously Umtiti is a world-class defender, and he just looked completely lost, like it was his first time playing out there. And again, if Umtiti and Longley had some some form partnership throughout the season, we're just rotating with PK, then maybe we wouldn't have these defensive lapses. But yeah, it, it was just, you know, we had a sub basically in every part of the field right we had Rakitic missing we had Messi out and then obviously we had PK out and it it showed but at the same time I was happy with the lineup just giving those guys a break and then bringing them on with about what 20 minutes left in the game
1: and even the subs that did come on you know uh, Valverde put in Messi of course who kind of started the the turnaround but it seemed like the timing of his subs was uh decent and like you said I thought the the, the starting lineup had that rotation in it. It had rest for PK, for Rakitic, for those players, for Messi, and I thought that the timing of the subs was also good to try and you know salvage the points, but and you know bring in the better players, the stronger players. He didn't. He wasn't hasty about it. He still let the the starting eleven play. You know, he gave them time to see if they could recover. And of course, you know, by the time the first half ends, we're up to because we get up two goals in the first 15 minutes. Villarreal gets one back, so by halftime, it's two one, no problems. Then suddenly, somehow, in the second half, they score three, and now everybody's like, "Oh, I, I think I'll make some changes." But it worked out. The timing worked out so that they were pretty normal changes, like the timing of them.
0: I mean, we talked about when we we're up two nothing. There's no reason why Alba and Sergio Roberto should have been bombing those sides, right? We should have been more conservative, just held the lead, especially going up 2-0 in 15 minutes, right? Um, We should have... That should have been cruise control for sure. But uh, with Alba playing so attacking, going forward all the time, that side was exposed and especially with Umtiti and Lung having that, you know, bad time together on defense, um, Villarreal hit us really, you know, all the time on the counterattack and they were able to score three goals. You know, again, Messi with another free kick, he's becoming the best free kick specialist I've ever seen now, because especially with three in a row now. Yeah, I mean, that was know, three free kicks like, in and a again, row. Again, he keeps patting those stats. Now he I think he has now twenty-nine free kicks. The next team is Juventus with 27, 26 as a team in the last five years. I mean, it's incredible. So, again, you know, this is one of the hardest things to do. And we've seen in the last three weeks he did a chip free kick. He did a power free kick, and then he did an accurate one. And, again, he just keeps continuing scoring. And now, especially after last night, he's up uh, 40 goals now.
1: You're right, 40 goals. And that free kick in particular, he goes goalkeeper side, he goes away from the wall, he goes on the side that the goalkeeper is trying to cover, and he still gets it in right in the top corner. I mean, it was, it was almost as if he, you know, it was on a string. He, he put it exactly where he wanted to. And he's, it's almost like he's feeling really just so confident about his ability to do that right now he's, because his free kick game has gotten so much better.
0: Sure, and the other thing too is just, you know, you know, in Madrid, they were just talking about that it was the defender's fault for ducking, and that's why the goal came, you know? Right, yeah, and, we were talking about this. Yeah, you know, this happened in a split second, and you know, when someone throws a ball at you, your first reaction is not to put your face into it, you know? That's not, you're going to duck. That takes duck. training. Yeah, exactly, you're going to duck, and like like you said, there was an acute angle, and you made it because of the power that he put on it, and obviously the accuracy, and the way he hit the post, and it pinged in. I mean, it was a, it's just beautiful, just pure artistry.
1: Yeah, so is there anything else that we want to touch on with the Villarreal match? Well, I'll,
0: I'll, one more thing. I'll just tell you that, you know, Suarez's goal in that 94th minute, basically, with the technique that he was able to do, that volley, is incredibly tough. I mean, we've seen, we've talked about his hand passing and his shooting on you know normal kind of striker duties, but then he comes up with these brilliant strikes, you know, and with this left-handed volley, you know, left-footed volley that he did, the timing of it, the technique that he did it, it was it was brilliant it was just like streetball again
1: yeah yeah so what's next on the agenda
0: we have questions
1: right so there are a couple here i know for sure there are some people here to listen and watch this event because i know you all (laughs) but uh who else is here for the barca talk live show welcome welcome <laughs> so we did we thought we would uh, experiment with something that we don't normally have the opportunity to do since we do this uh, you know remotely from our respective studios usually but uh, are there any questions that anyone has or topics they would yeah. like to discuss Oh yeah all right so we have a question and this is perfect because this is going to be coming from Jose he's the president of the LA Peña and he's been a, a wonderful new friend, helped us get into the game last night, so what do you got, Jose?
2: Uh, first of all, thank you for having, you know, for having me over here and I'll meet you guys and obviously consider you guys also friends now, and um, my question is where do you uh, think Sergio Berto fits well?
1: Of course, of course he does. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> How could he not?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we talk about this, right? Because you know, we, for example, with Tomato. Messi has no confidence playing with him on that right side. And there's a vast difference when Sergio Roberto is in. Messi will go onto the right side. And so that, for me, is where he's going to get more playing time because he can play the right back, and Messi has confidence playing with him. I prefer Semedo just because he's more physical and faster, and I think that's you know a good you know, good skill set to have. But I, um, Messi doesn't like to play with Semedo. He just doesn't like to play. And when Semedo's there... That whole right side is ignored. So.
1: Right. But when Dembele's playing on the right side, Semedo gets plenty of action in terms of attacking. Right. So in that case, Semedo becomes preferred for right back. I mean, I think anyone who knows Sergio Roberto's game knows that he's not really a fullback. He's not really a defender. He's been getting better at it over the last few years, and he's at least become sort of reliable. Even his deficiencies are now reliable. And I think he knows that about himself as well. So, uh, you know, I have a crush on Sergio Roberto. I, and the thing about him is that he fits just about anywhere. I think you can put him anywhere and he'll do roughly the same job. It's not a great job necessarily. But it's but it's a decent job. And it's slightly above average. And it's, it's a good enough to to keep getting him starts. And there are plenty of players who are not getting starts who maybe, you know, should. And there are plenty of players who are maybe only just slightly not as good as him who have been traded away.
0: Yeah, definitely. When you brought up the Dembele point, you know, when Dembele's in the right side, we're a completely different team. So that's kind of, you know, an outlier for me. You know, it's more, you know, when Dembele is not there, the confidence that Messi has to play around that right side and as I always, you know, I was pointing out to Jose last night, especially when Malcolm was in the game, how he was staying on the right side the whole time and it spread atletico thin, you know? And that is important to always have that person on the right. But when, for example, Roberto's playing, we totally mitigate that area. Messi's always going through the middle and we're always heavy on the left side, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I, I appreciate your question. <laughs> it's, all, it's one that I, like, don't want to hear, but I know that people have it because I'm like, a, what would you call it? I'm, I'm, like, I'm a fanboy. For Sergio Roberto, although I have to admit, I'm getting a little bit uh, cooler about it now. The, or it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm outgrowing him. You know, kind of like with your teen idols. Yeah, you know, you eventually you, you get to an age where you take down the poster yeah, of yeah. JTT or,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> you know, know, your
1: teen heartthrobs. You know, maybe I'm not reading Tiger Beat as much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, there's so many games uh, you know, that we play that tomato and Sergio Roberto are both going to get enough playing time. So it doesn't matter. We don't have to pick one, you know, but obviously for the bigger games, I think Sergio Roberto is going to get that nod.
1: And the bigger question is for Sergio Roberto is, wouldn't he be better in the midfield? Yeah. And if he would, and I think he would, then how does he break into that midfield? Because it's a really crowded, uh, really crowded field in our squad. And he, even though even in, in between last season and this season, People were talking about how Samedo's going to be stepping more into right back. Sergio Roberto's going to get moved to midfield. And we've seen it once or twice, maybe three times this year. He's still, I wouldn't say stuck, but, you know, he's still playing that same position. He's not really finding the opportunity where I think his skills would pay off more for the team, which is in the midfield. But again, because he's competing with the likes of Rakitic, Busquets, Arthur, and apparently Vidal for some reason. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, you know that, you know, especially in the closing minutes, he's going go to go with Vidal. And, and again, like you said, it's a crowded midfield. I would like to see him get more playing time. But, you know, for me, it's the strongest. is going to be Artur Busquets and Rakitic in the midfield. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right. Oh, and, and Jose already got his, uh, his package. He got a beverage cozy. He got a sicker. He got a magnet. So any, any other? Uh, yeah, my name is Paul from Los Angeles, Carson. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys, what do you guys think if we would get Griezmann next season? I, am, I have to say immediately, I am not interested in getting Griezmann. I know he's a great striker. I know he's, he's top level. Um, personally, I'm not terribly interested in picking him up. I think we need to be thinking about a replacement for Suarez. The club knows this. Suarez knows this. And I would be more interested rather in, in spending more and bringing someone like of his caliber in and his notoriety in, bringing in a younger, you know, more up-and-coming player. That's just my personal preference.
0: I mean, where does he fit? And right. if he does come in, what formation are we playing? We know that we're always going to be more a four-three-three or four-four-two, if anything. And I mean, who are you going to knock off? You know, Messi, no. Suarez, no. Dembele, no. You know. Um, so again, you. He would be, he's a nice, it's almost like a nice addition for FIFA. You know, if you are doing FIFA, playing FIFA, you can add him on just because he can, right? But he already had the opportunity last year to come, and he didn't want to come. And I'm actually kind of thankful because, you know, I think he is a great player, but I don't think he fits into our style. And, you know, that's just me personally. Uh, You know, I like, I would rather go for Jokic. you know, the striker in Germany. I think that would be a good call for a Suarez replacement. But again, we, we have Malcolm still and he's been showing that he's getting more confident under Valverde. He's the young and of course, you know, the Griezmann topic will not die. Yeah. In Madrid, it's every day. Yeah. It's every day about especially leading up to the Atletico match in the uh, in the media. They were talking about, you know, if he was gonna get whistled by the camp, no. Did they whistle last night? No, no one cared at all, right? And that's the thing. So, you know, I think like I said, he's a great player. I just think he's more atleti DNA than Barça.
1: Yeah, I don't know what game you were watching, but they were whistling Griezmann a lot.
0: Were they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know why? Because I was trying to calm Jose down last night. Because Jose was so nervous last night, and I was just, you know, I was trying to make sure he was okay, you know? So.
1: <laughs> yeah, every time Griezmann got the ball, they were whistling at him. <laughs> Not counting, you know, of course, the opening lineups, you whistle at everyone on the opposing team. So, But even during the game, yeah, every time he touched the ball, it was whistles all around. That was one of the few times in the game when the crowd would get really animated, I thought. Because the whole game was really cool. I mean, we'll talk yeah. more about it, obviously, but... Yeah, it was a quiet game for the most part, and the crowd was, was generally pr- pretty sure. quiet, at least where we were, you know, at the uh, the rim of the horizon. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> of the nosebleed section. <laughs> yeah, it was but, like we were watching from a blip. But we just met Paul last night. and but it was great. Yeah, we just met Paul last night, and it's your first time, right, in the Camp No and everything, so... Awesome. Yeah, so he was telling me about his experience and leading up to that, so it was really cool to me because, you know, I take it for granted. I've been, you know, I live so close, I've been to many games now, but to see people who come for the first time is... It's still kind of cool to see. So,
1: Yeah. So, well, speaking of players and positions of players, I'd like to bring in our uh, Barca B correspondent, Max Bloor, who did, who also came in. Did you guys ride the train together? Gabriel? No,
0: he, he came separately. You, came,
1: you guys came separately. But yeah, we'd like to bring in Max. Max, welcome.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah. Great to be here.
1: So you're our Barca B correspondent, I and the, we have two questions for you today. The first one, and we might be able to get through both <laughs> with the the first question is who in the b team right now do you see having potential to move to barcelona's first team
2: okay so it's probably not that important what i think but um the the club the club is um there's some clear signals coming out of the club as to who they think is worth it so there are three guys who have um well there are two guys miranda the left back and oriel Busquets who's like, Sereko Bruce gets his son, but not actually related, but <laughs> same name, same position.
1: And they look a little similar.
2: They look, they look not unlike. Right. Uh, and they both have 200 million euro release clauses, wow. which is, you know, big bucks. So the How big clip, is
1: your release clause?
2: Mine is a little bit less than that. Yeah, mine's zero. I mean, I've actually had some offers. That w- I've had people willing to pay 150 to take me away from Barca Talk. <laughs> I've said no, you know, loyalty. You're, you're, st- you're so loyal. Kiss the badge. <laughs> Um, so the club clearly reckons they're onto a good thing with those two and that uh, Oriel Busquets and Miranda are our first team material. And it makes sense because like, we don't really have... There is no cover for City Busquets in the first team and there's no real cover for Alba either. So True,
1: and the couple of times that Miranda has gotten the, uh, the nod for the first team and covered for Alba, it hasn't gone very well yet, yeah, he but sucked. he is young. He was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the club still reckons that he has the, the potential. Yes, uh,
2: Valverde maybe not so much as we've seen because he completely banished him from the first team. It was really quite harsh the way he just kind of, after that Copa del Rey game against I think it was Le- Cultural Leon.
1: Oh yeah, when Leonessa. he was just
2: Leonessa when he was subbed at time, we never seen him again. Right, and he was just banished back to the B team. But I think people like Eric, Eric Abidal and kind of the directors of the academy have a good opinion of Villaneda and think that. If not next year, maybe the year after, he really could be making a few, a few first team appearances.
1: So, at this point, only two, but as far as so, we can tell.
2: So, okay, so there's those two. There's also, of course, Ricky, Ricky Puig. Ah, yes. Who has a, a mere 100 million euro release clause. Um, but I So, think maybe he...
1: it's just related to body weight. <laughs> maybe. Because Ricky Puig is this tiny little guy, he, he's brilliant he's... on the ball. But you put him in against those first team, you know, those first tier sides of Ben's grown men and they'll just knock him around. He
2: looks like a child. Like, yeah. Genuinely. And even his, his kit looks too big for him. And it's like his shirt's all baggy and his shorts are really long and he genuinely looks like a child playing in a man's kit and a man's game.
1: <laughs> he borrowed his dad's kit. Quite possibly. <laughs> Quite possibly. But yeah, so what What but else about amazing. Ricky? Yeah. He
2: is amazing regardless of that. And he's... I shouldn't say this because it puts the pressure on the kid, but it reminds it reminds everyone of Iniesta. Right. Everyone who sees him thinks Iniesta. The way he's kind of got twinkle toes, and the way he can get out of really tight spaces and play the play the final ball into the strikers. He's brilliant. He's possibly the the the, the pearl, as they say in Spanish, the, the the best prospect. Right. In in the cantera and the B team right now, probably is Ricky Puig
1: And but they were saying that same thing about Carlos Alenia as well. They were making those comparisons to Iniesta. And just last night when we were at the game, earlier on, you were suggesting, you know, we weren't getting any goals, even though Diego Costa had been ejected. And you turned to me and you said, you know what we should do? Put it in Carlos Delaney. He'll sort this right out. And what happened? Well, Carlos Delaney well, it was did come out. on.
2: It was, and it was sorted and out. And it
1: was sorted out. A, we can talk about correlation versus causation. But, but those were, that is a sequence Carlos of events Delaney that happened. Carlos
2: Delaney came on, and about three minutes later, we got the first goal. Yeah. All
1: right. Well. Anyway, the the other question for you about Barca B is the uh, likelihood of promotion. What are the chances? It looks a little grim at this. It's point. It's
2: looking. Yeah. So I think. Well, certainly before this round of fixtures this weekend, they were seventh, uh, about four points off the the final playoffs place. And even even if you get into the playoffs, it's quite difficult to in the beer because you've got the top four get into playoffs, and then there are those. It's it's a real weird system. There's like two different sets of playoffs, and unless you get into the top two, you have to win your first set of playoffs, and then you win another set of playoffs. And there's like there are there's tons of groups all over the right. country. It's a whole
1: so tournament. It's
2: a whole thing. Yeah, it's really it's really it's really difficult. So, so even and it's difficult even for Barca to be to get into the playoffs in their group, and then to win those playoffs would be all, not impossible, but very very difficult as well. Right. And... So it's not, it's not looking great, but that's fine because these are a bunch of kids. They're, they're 17, 18, 19 years old. They were play, they're all playing in the, or most of them were playing in the youth league last year. So it wasn't expected that they would get a promotion this year at all. And okay. I This year in Segunda Play, playing as men, playing like actual football rather than kids football will do them good.
1: Yeah, would, that, you were just making me think about the fact that even though it's Segunda Bay, right, we know that the clubs in Segunda Bay are not as powerful, right? They aren't. They don't have as much money. Or maybe they're reserve sides from other larger clubs, which operate a little bit differently than ours. They aren't necessarily as youth-driven as ours is. But in any case, you're still playing against grown professional men, and these are still kids. So what is the competition in Segunda Bay like? Because you watch it regularly so that you can you know, report right. for us, yeah. and also so that Gabriel and I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so what? I mean, so what is it like to watch Segunda B that regularly, and what is the competition really like in that league?
2: Um, well, you, you can certainly notice the difference between, obviously, but I mean, the 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 quality, the the gap in quality between Segunda Bay and even the second division, let alone first division, is, is pretty large. Because they're, they're not professional players. I mean, some of them are, but a lot of them are just kind of. People who are truck drivers and they work in schools and hospitals and whatever. Right, recreational teams. Yeah, yeah. So semi-pros, I think there are a lot of them. So, yeah, you can notice the difference. And then what was the other part of your question?
1: Oh, I was just (laughs) asking about, well, what is it like to watch it?
2: Yeah,
0: it's...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Put it this way, I don't think I'd watch much if it weren't for this podcast. Right, right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's when you do it for your job or something like a job. I swear, we're going to pay you one day. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I have faith. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, you know, when you're doing something on assignment, yeah, you, uh, sometimes you have to just suffer through it.
2: <laughs> but it is, it is enjoyable. At least watching Barca B is enjoyable, seeing these kind of the, ki- the kids of the future. Seeing people, say, say, five years now, Ricky Puig is, you know, winning the Champions League with Barca. Well, I feel quite something to have seen him on the way up. Right. Ricky. And
1: also, you know, the, fun, the great thing about Barca B is that their games are just about free.
2: Right they're on YouTube, yeah, they're yeah. streamed on YouTube. It's well, great.
1: one, they're on YouTube, so you could watch them for free on YouTube. And also, if you're in Barcelona or wherever they're playing, you could probably just show up. They it's are... like a high school match. Yeah, no, no, they're like a couple, couple of euros. Euro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: if you're in, I'm not, but if you're in, if you're a member of Barça, then they are free. Fantastic. If you're a saucy.
1: Yes, well, being a member is. Uh, Ha- nice it has its amazing. privileges, but it also has its costs. Well, th- <laughs> thank you, Max. We really appreciate it. Let's get a round of applause for Max Bloor, our B awesome. correspondent. Thank you. Well, let's, let's finish up, I guess, and close it out talking about our experience yesterday with the Atletico match. We started early, <laughs> mainly, with, uh, mainly with a lot of beers.
0: We did. We did. I mean, what time we start? Five? Four? Yeah, about Something five like o'clock.
1: This. We're... We're having drinks in one venue, then we walked closer to the Camp new, and then we found another venue. And by the time we got in, we got, had a chance to watch the team warm up. So it was a, a good, good weather night, which was good because we were all worried it was going to be raining. It didn't rain. Uh, we had some cold and some wind. But overall, it was a pretty good game day experience with the weather. And then there was the game itself.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the game itself, right? I mean, well, first thing, we got the result, right? So that's awesome, and we're one step closer to La Liga, but, you know, we got a couple talking points to talk about, right? Yes, a couple talking um, points. You know, obviously, the first thing, you know, with Diego Costa's red card, you know, we definitely had the advantage going forward. They had 10 men, but again, throughout the whole match, we did not look aggressive at all. We were in cr- complete cruise control, but for the wrong reasons, you know? We hadn't scored. We had some scoring chances, but again, it always goes back to my, my thesis always, is the Ferrari, right? Like, right? And especially at halftime, right? Because Diego Costa got ejected in the first half. Like, in the halftime speech, what does he tell him? I mean, it didn't seem like he adjusted anything to go more aggressive. I mean, that's what you want to see, especially at home. This is the chance to get La Liga and really go forward with it and, and rest some players for Manchester United. And it didn't, you know, the goals didn't come till what, the 85th minute?
1: Yeah, 80th or 85th. Um, but But do you think that also knowing that Manchester United is coming soon, that there's still – whether Valverde is telling them this or not, whether that's in the back of their minds, and they're trying to maybe get a result while also not overexerting themselves, trying to save their energy a little bit for the Champions League? Because it's no secret that this year they have really made it a priority to do well in the Champions League and hopefully to win it.
0: Yeah, definitely. But, you know – If anyone's played before, you know, when your team is a man up and you are distinctly better of an attacking talent, it's easy. Like, you're not really wasting that much energy. And, I mean, we really didn't have that much attacking. We were going side to side as always, Mm -hmm. you know. And So here's the question.
1: If we're a man up, which we were, Uh and we're so better, which we are, Uh why couldn't we score earlier?
0: Because I'd like to go put the bus there and the submarine and everything back there. I mean, Atletico is a really great defensive team. They're one of the best defensive teams in Europe, you know. And it's, it was going to be tough, right? But, again, it's, it's all about, like, attitude and, and, for me, just watching them. And the way, lackadaisically, like, Messi was always being triple covered, right? And so when that happens, you have the wings open, and we didn't expose that enough. Not until Malcolm came into the you know, the second half. As always I said, whenever we have the right wing there, all of a sudden just opens everything up. And then you saw Suarez had the opening to take that shot for the goal. But that doesn't happen if we don't have the spacing on the right wing.
1: Right. And, well, just as Max pointed out, the sequence of events was that Carlos Alena came on, but also Malcolm <laughs> came on. And I think that had more to do with finally getting a goal, and, in fact, two goals. And it was... Se- easily the most exciting one minute of the game when we scored two goals suddenly. But now, like you're, I take your point, right? Malcolm coming on definitely changed the complexion of the game finally. And it it's something we had been waiting for, I think, for a little bit too. I think he came on... I forget exactly when Malcolm came on, but it seemed a little bit late.
0: No, I mean, I mean he still had time. I think there was definitely, I like think, 20 minutes left in the game. But again, this kind of goes back to the same thing with the Coutinho problem. Because you know for as expensive as he was for him to come he still doesn't do anything and it was it proved my point last night just watching him live I mean he, he passes he doesn't really do anything he's out there it's almost as though we're a man down as well because he's not bringing any teeth to the attack he's not taking anyone 1v1 he's not shooting and so therefore we're just playing like with our you know one arm tied behind our back essentially with that position now when he moved back to the midfield you know when Malcolm came in you know, it's like those two things together, then we started having more attack. But again, Coutinho, man, it just how many how many chances is he gonna get and not do anything?
1: Well, I think for his price tag, he's gonna get a lot more chances. That's that seems to be the way it's going with Coutinho. And actually during the game Max asked me, What do you think? You know, next would you sell Coutinho in in between, like next summer? Would you sell Coutinho? Yes. And how much what's what's the least you would take for it?
0: No, I'm mean, gonna just take him. Just I, like, take yeah, them. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be expensive. But, like, let me ask you this. So like, like, you know, we've been talking about the Sergio Roberto thing. Now, if you put Sergio Roberto instead of Coutinho up there, Semedo back there, are we, do we have more teeth in our attack? We have better possession. We have more tiki-taka passing, right? Just like that. But Coutinho just always does the same move, the inside move, the passing to the side, and then he's invisible, right? I mean, he's there. We signed him because he was a, a midfielder that was a goal scorer, you know? And he just hasn't done that. How many goals has he scored this year? Not many. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and one, the last, the last bad. one was against Villarreal when it was a tap-in. You know, his goals have been just tap-ins because he's been in the right spot. But for the most part, he hasn't really set anything up, and he hasn't been dynamic enough. He's still playing cautious, you know? And I understand because maybe Valverde is not putting him in the correct position. But at the same time, you got to understand. Valverde's got to understand, like, put... Sergio Roberto in there. Put Alania up there. Give us something else. Try it, you know. And then do your own test results, you know. Right,
1: (laughs) right. See what
2: happens.
1: (laughs) The other thing with uh, Coutinho that I've noticed is that he he gives up on his runs really easily. You know, he'll start a run, but if he doesn't, he only will make a run if he thinks he might get the ball. And then when it turns out that he's not going to get the ball, he gives up on it. Whereas a lot of players in that same position out on the wing, they would make the run not in order to receive the ball necessarily, but in order to open up space. And they might also get the ball if they were to continue the run. But he seems to give up, I think, a little bit early on his runs, whether they be down the flank or whether they be into the box. He seems to give up on them a little too easily.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the other thing, too, he never goes to the touchline. Never. Never. At all. And, like, I, I was pointing to Jose yesterday. When Malcolm came into the match, how many times did he go to the touchline? Just to even spread that defense out and then bring it back around, right? Because that gives you the space. But with Coutinho, he just – not only is his body language – Awful. Like you just watched last night, you just kind of moping around, making the pass and not really doing anything. But again, it's like we were playing 10 V 10 last night with him in the lineup.
1: Right. Right. So it was even. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's why there was no goals. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. That's the real answer (laughs) (laughs) because Coutinho. Yeah. But then Malcolm comes on and uh, he didn't come on for Coutinho. Did he? No. No, but he came on. Someone ultimately did come on for Coutinho, but in any case, well, the way I would summarize this game was it was 80 minutes of waiting, and one minute of glory, and then a few more minutes of waiting, <laughs> right? Because we scored two goals in literally 60 seconds, like almost right off the kickoff from Suarez's goal, Messi scores.
0: Sure, I like that. 80 minutes of waiting, yeah. One minute of glory, La Liga done, right? Right. But again, when Malcolm came in, like I said, I we 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 both like him. He does things properly. He's dynamic. He always is looking to score. The way his runs are, he's always headed towards goal, looking for a rebound or just having that presence. And when you play defense and you see an attacker like that that's always running and going past you, you have to be aware of even more, right? And so you can just see, with him not even getting the ball that much at the beginning, just him spreading that out, all of a sudden opened things up. And of course, Suarez got that opening because he was at the top of the box because The middle was a little bit open and of course Suarez had a brilliant shot I mean that shot was it wasn't the hardest taken shot I've ever seen but the accuracy on it was just amazing
1: yeah and I think at the moment that he was going to take it we had at this point in the game we had seen a number of chances that didn't quite work out or they weren't very good and you know Oblak is a good goalkeeper so he made a couple of saves on some shots We've seen you know, other chances that the creation was good, but the finishing wasn't. And I think in this moment, I, I was thinking, oh, this is going to go wide. This, the moment it left his boot, I thought, we're not scoring on here. And some, the fact that it went in shocked me. It really did shock me. And when you look on, it, look on the, uh, the replay, from certain angles, it really does look like it's going to go wide. And there's this swerve, this kind of late swerve in the ball that gets it just to creep into the goal.
0: Exactly and Oblak was like millimeters away from making the save you know that's how great that shot was especially if you watch it on YouTube the different angles especially from you know from behind Suarez you can see that Thomas Partey almost has his foot out there and he curves it around it to you know just get past Oblak which is another feat in itself because Oblak is a top 3 goalkeeper in Europe for sure
1: Yeah and then they uh, you know they take the ball they put it back in the center they kick off Next thing you know, Messi scores. And this was, among Messi goals, one of the better ones,
0: I thought. I mean, first of all, there was a little bit of doubt because he was almost offsides. If you look on the replay, there was a little bit of doubt on offsides, but they didn't call it. Obviously, with his run, to pick his moments, right? Because he kind of was cruising, walking a little bit, just picking his moments, right? But in that moment, he was able to sprint, outrun the defense, and then calmly, you know, right? He just does that feign move where you don't know if he's going to shoot, and then he just passes it, and he just slots it. It's just, you know, if anyone's played, that is such a difficult thing to do because you're always just trying to hit it as hard as you can. Like, that is the first instinct if you're a striker. You're just, I'm going to hit it as hard as I can. If I'm good enough, I'm going to aim it. But on a 1v1 (laughs) like that, you're just hoping to get the strike off, right? But he, especially he had people sliding in. To the left, another one coming to the right, and he just stops, feints, slots, boom, done. I mean,
1: well, if I were him, and I'm not, but if <laughs> I'm to say like, once when you've scored as many goals as Messi has scored, you know, maybe you get to that point in your career where you're trying to, you know, do something new, do something different, try it another way. Like maybe all I need to do is just pass it into the goal. He's, I mean, he's at that level where he has scored so much. You know, he's not trying to make the most out of few opportunities he's almost he's trying to make the best out of many opportunities
0: definitely I mean just think about like the you know the, the rhetoric the, the, yeah <laughs> just think of the best strikers in La Liga for example right now they're all pretty good yeah but they're all pretty good but they don't have these moments like him where he can just he just knows angles so well how to always like we always say talk you know he sees in colors this type of thing right And just to be able to always know where the keeper is and not overforce the ball is such a hard thing to do as a striker because, you know, you're coded just to kind of kick at as hard as you can and hope for the top angles, right? That's really what you're doing. But he's always, he knows that Oblak's weight is to the right, and then he'll just slot it back to the left. And it's just a very simple thing when you look at it, but it's super difficult to execute.
1: Right, yeah, and it would be impossible for either of us to execute. But for him, it's just, you know... Uh, An extension of his his creativity, his his artistry as a as a player. (laughs) Yeah, he's not he's not just like, oh, I have a chance. I'm going to hit it as hard as I can. He's like, oh, I've been here before. Yeah, what could I do that's interesting?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, if you ever go on his YouTube, you know the you know top 100 goals or whatnot, he has the patented move where he goes across the box and slots it to to the left corner. It's not even really a shot. It's like a hard guided pass. But that used to he used to do that all the time early in his career because before he had the, they had the playbook on him right, and that is such a hard thing. Like I said, as a left footer, that's the perfect angle. You always want to come in on the box. But I'm always thinking when I used to play, like I'm gonna kick the I'm gonna kick the <laughs> hell out of the ball, and hope that it goes in. Right? I mean, you know, I thought I was good enough, and but Messi just slots it. You know, that's just a thing that you know where everything slows down for him because you know when you're one v one in that moment trying to score a goal, especially as a striker. That is your only responsibility, essentially, right? That is what people measure you—if you're good or not. And again, like last night, just the way he slots—if you watch it on the replay last night, Old Black keeps going to the right, and then he—and then he just looks, and it's like an Ole, like it's right. Just done.
1: Right. Now, moving, looking ahead. Unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on about the Atletico match. No. no. I think that's good, okay. But... So, looking ahead, like I said, the uh, the crowd was chanting. Singing campeones, campeones, right? And we we know that the likelihood, because there are seven matches remaining in La Liga, we know the likelihood of Atletico Madrid now overtaking us at the top top of the league is very low, right? The, very low likelihood. Although you know, mathematically, there's still a chance that something. If, if we get just a a couple of draws, and if they keep winning, we could get overtaken by Atletico. Um, So I'm going to run some numbers while you talk about what the likelihood of that is in your mind.
0: I think it's very low, right? Because, yeah, the way Atletico plays, they pretty much have to play perfect games to win matches just because, you know, Simeone is even more conservative than Valverde. And, you know, they have a more difficult road. They're playing against Sevilla and some other teams away, so they have a more difficult road to get all those maximum points. So it's going to be more difficult for them. Again... I think it's a great ch- chance for us because, you know, as Champions League is our one of our goals this season, Valverde will have the opportunity to manage those minutes a little bit more, especially knowing we have 10 points in our back pocket.
1: Right. Well, it's uh, 11 now, isn't 11 it? 11 points. Yeah. yeah. So we do have 11 points on them. And you're right. We have a much easier schedule of... I don't, I'm not going to say these in order, but I know that we're going to be – we still have Abar, we have Huesca, we have Real Sociedad, Alaves. The very last match of the year is against Valencia, but by that point, it will almost certainly be decided. So by the time we get there, it won't matter, I, win or lose i think i like i doubt it's going to come down to that last match so we do have a much easier schedule ahead of us in la liga so now we can really focus our attentions on the champions League. exactly
0: so what say you about that for this week i mean how are you feeling what do you think you know what's going to be our lineup obviously what is your preferred lineup going into the the match against manchester united
1: sergio roberto sergio roberto (laughs) (laughs) no i'm joking honestly um since Semedo came in later in this game, I would hope to see Semedo start uh, against Manchester United. Of course, Tercey in goal. Pique and Longley. And, of course, Jordi Alba because we have no other choice at left back. <laughs> and he's great.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm, I'm expecting a midfield. I'm hoping for a midfield of Busquets, Rakitic, Arthur think that particular midfield is working out really well and I'm actually not aware of where Dembele is on in terms of the re- re- returning from injury thing I think some hopeful people have said that he might be back for this first leg but I don't think he's going to be back so we're going to be looking at probably Suarez Messi Coutinho although Suarez Messi Malcolm I think is a he again he made a good case for himself Saturday malcolm did to, to to get in there rather than coutinho
0: sure i you know the other thing too i want to see arthur play a full game i know you know i i don't understand this thing of you know he's not injured i mean he was injured but it's already been a couple of weeks since that injury from when he came back and i just want to see him play a full match you know and he's been subbed out every time around the 70th minute you know and there's a notable difference when he does come out right he helps possess the ball and he's really good at that and that helps us you know, not have as many counters, you know, and that's really key because Manchester United is fast, obviously, right? Then we know that the way they play, they're going to be more counter, but obviously technically they're not as good as, as Barcelona with the stopping and passing. So, you know, I think we should be okay. I think for Dembele, they should rest him for this game because I'd rather have him in the long haul of the Champions League because he's such a special player. Now, I I really hope, you know, that we get a good cushion so it's not going to be nail-biting time for the second leg against Manchester United. Yeah, good luck with that.
1: (laughs) Now, I I have to admit, I don't watch watch Manchester United much, so I don't really know, but I assume that they're probably a a more physical team than we are.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously they have Pogba there, and, you know, Lukaku's up there too as well. Martial, Rashford, these type of players. But again...
1: So you know what that means. <laughs> it means Vidal's going to start.
0: Oh, I hope not. I hope not. I mean, I, I, just, I don't think this type of game calls for I think we'll be able to have so much more possession, especially in the first leg, just because that's how we do it. And, you know, again, I think their counter is dangerous, but... It, Again, I'm, I would be more scared of Lyon than, than Manchester United, I think. I don't know. I, just, I think Manchester United is very overrated this year.
1: Right. Well, But they have a counter, and that's part of their game. And we've fallen victim in certain situations, particularly if we're uh, encountering a lot of resistance, a lot of defense, to you know, push more players up, and then we become really susceptible to a counter and getting scored on. So that could cause problems for us in this first leg.
0: And they also have the best goalkeeper in the world, remember? Right. They have the best goalkeeper in the world. <laughs> so that's going to be problems for us, right? We hey, don't. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, again, I think we'll, we'll definitely have a lot of opportunities against them. Um, you know, Lately, they haven't been playing that well. I know they've lost to Wolves a couple times. Um, they've just been really inconsistent, and that's been the story of their season when it started off with Mourinho and now with Solskjaer. You know, he won four games in a row, and they gave him a contract extension. It's, it's insane. <laughs> That's right? all it takes. Yeah, yeah. Four, it's just like Solari. Remember? Like, with Solari you wins know. four games. Here's your new contract, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, Solshire, you know, he, he was at the game last night watching. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I don't think you're going to get That's that funny. much watching. I didn't swatching. see him there. <laughs> 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 no, you didn't see him in the nosebleed section? No, I didn't no, see no, him no, up okay. there. <laughs> so, he was there scouting, you know. So, we'll see. I, I mean, again... Uh, he doesn't scare me as a manager. as coming up something you know revolutionary against Barcelona, and also the players don't really scare me. I mean, they're a good team, don't get me wrong. There's a champions, but I think we are so focused this season on champions that we're not going to let it slip away.
1: No, yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and I, uh, like you, I would prefer if we get some cushion, we get a lead in that first leg and not have to bite our nails in the second leg, although history would seem to... Uh, <laughs> Imply that we might have to deal with that. That, for some reason, that seems to be the way that uh, Valverde is dealing with these tournaments is to maybe go even more conservative in the first leg and even take a hit, but just try and make it not too bad and then come back harder in the second leg.
0: Again, I don't, I don't like this philosophy. I mean, it's, it's just easier just to go and go after it, especially at home. You know, like we, their defense is not that good. I mean, the, Ashley Young as a defender, this guy is so not good and he is (laughs) he is reckless you know and and for him to deal with Suarez and Messi you know I think we're going to have a field day with shot opportunities now it depends if they go four back with a you know defensive mid then that's going to be difficult because they're going to have five back there defending but again I just think that we should come away with like a two nothing victory
1: right right okay I want to I want to finish the show with uh, a question for you because uh, you're wearing an FC Barcelona t-shirt that you just got yesterday yes and we were talking yesterday about how you don't wear jerseys yes Megan and I were both wearing our jerseys and you don't wear jerseys that's not your thing which is fine but I'm just wondering what's the uh what's the what's going through your mind there
0: no I don't know I just I just prefer t-shirts I just feel like I can use them more often and I only have one jersey and it's a it's a 49er football jersey that my friend gave to me before I moved here to Spain as a gift. And I, I've worn it one time. Right. You know, again, the Super Bowl when the Niners lost to the Ravens, and then I threw it away. And no, I'm just kidding. I didn't right. throw it away. Well, and also,
1: since you live in Madrid, if, you, know, you can wear a 49ers jersey around Madrid, and you won't get uh, hassled.
0: That is true. That is true. But also, you know, with the Barcelona jersey, you don't get hassled in Madrid. Madrid fans are soft. It's oh, yeah? that. that, that. <laughs> All right.
1: So speaking of showing one's spirit for, for the club, Do you have a a favorite Barcelona chant?
0: No, not really. I mean, the thing is, well, I mean, this is the thing. You know, like last night, for example, was just my fourth game. Right, and I was we were, I was talking with Jose because I was I'm always curious about the Pena experience.
1: You don't just stream Barcelona chance on no, like I don't. Your no, no, no. I don't have or... it on my Spotify list. <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: It's not on there. But interesting. Uh, I'm always curious because when I'm in Madrid watching the games, I'm usually watching it by myself. Right, I don't have any other Barcelona fans that I watch the game with. I usually drag a friend of mine, and it's only because they want to have some beers. Right, right? and they don't really care. So I'm always curious of the Pena experience because I missed that. You know, I missed um, when I was in San Francisco watching games with other people who have the common team, Right, and so he was telling me their experience that they do the chants and all the stuff throughout the game, and I think that's really cool. So, I think a better question to ask would be our friend Jose, what's his favorite yeah, chant? Yeah, Jose, because what's your favorite chant? he's, it was he, last night. He was well, see, on fire, like because like we
1: were on opposite ends uh, well, of, see, of our group. So it was so two, it was twofold it.
0: last night. I had to comfort him through his <laughs> through his nervousness of the match, but at the same time, uh, he was he had every chant down last yeah. night. So. I think he's a better person to ask about his favorite chant.
1: What is it? Just go ahead and start it.
2: <laughs> uh, well, one of my favorite uh, chants is uh, Un Dia de Partid because uh, it brings pretty much all the, uh, the, uh, the bar that we get together. It brings all the people, like, you know, clapping, and once we start doing the ale, 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 that's when everybody jump in, start <laughs> moving the scars, flags, and that, to me, that's the favorite one.
1: So how does that one go?
2: <laughs> uh, you're gonna put me in the spot with the Catalan? I, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> not tonight, not tonight. Give me a couple more beers and probably I'll do it. <laughs> All
1: right, I was gonna try and see if I could get this room chanting, but I don't no, think that's gonna. I don't think so. Don't think, you know, this a, is a very cool
2: group of,
0: yes.
1: of a dozen people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing he was telling me too, they have drums. At the games that they, that they pound drums and stuff So I think that's really cool
1: That's like, perfect for you Because you played drums I used to play years.
0: drums For three years And I quit Because I'm a quitter But yeah. <laughs> um, this is the thing Is that you'll see When we watch the match On Tuesday in Madrid Just the environment How it's totally different You know the vibe Of the city here When we were walking To the stadium Seeing all the people All the kids in, And Barca kids Right like for me That's awesome right Because I never see that In Madrid And you'll see When we watch the match On Tuesday We're going to be The only ones Watching the match At this bar
1: Wow Okay <laughs> Well, at least it'll be, it'll be like home, it will. <laughs> where I watch the game all by myself on my
0: couch. Except in TV with Kanye's.
1: Right, right. <laughs> all right, well, thanks everyone for coming out to the Red Garter. Yeah, for, this,
0: this has been fun, man.
1: This has been fun. It's been uh, interesting and educational. <laughs> all right, thanks everyone. Special thanks to Max Bluer this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. Remember, we can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.